At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. It is the Lombardi Line presented by MGM. I am Dave Ross right here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Of course, Michael Lombardi is back home in New Jersey on this Wednesday. Michael, it's always great to catch up and talk NFL with you. we got a great show today, as we always do on Wednesday. we got Steve Mackinnon to join us from Point Spread Weekly. He's got incredible numbers for anybody out there before you make your wagers on a football Sunday. And the one-man gang himself, two-time NFL Pro Bowl linebacker Lorenzo Alexander is going to join the program as well. And Lou Fittichera is going to join us in the second hour talking NFL because one more week off of the UFC people. And then Lou and I will discuss some UFC back here on the Lombardi line. Mm -hmm. But, Michael, when I look at what happened on Monday night, I do want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, And I look at Baker Mayfield (laughs) and I get look, I understand. I've been very critical of Baker through the years here, uh, you know, planting the flag back in his OU days and coming in. He's got more commercials than he does touchdown passes, I think, this year. But, Michael, you know, I do remember Drew Brees, okay? And I remember when he was leaving San Diego back then, and he had a bad wing, remember? And then he got that wing fixed, and then the rest is history down in New Orleans. I don't know that he can have that kind of resurrection in his NFL career, but I got to ask you, after what you saw against the Steelers, do you think – trying to play through it he's playing for his job does he endear himself to his teammates because it feels like the runs over in Cleveland what do you think of the situation there with Baker and the Browns well I mean look I, I was just talking to Jeff about it I mean look he's on he's an asset to them now what that asset's worth I don't know I mean you've got to judge that and and what's most disturbing about Baker is what I've been saying during his four-year career. He gets way too many passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. Too many people get hands on his football. Uh, you use Drew Brees as an analogy to start the conversation. Unlike Drew Brees, Baker doesn't slide and move and create the lanes for his ball to get through because he lacks height. I mean, right. you know, Bill Cower on the Manning podcast made it clear. He said, look, he's not a drop-back passer. I've been saying that for four years. He's a play-action passer. He needs to be under center. When he's in shotgun – you know, the ball gets tipped, it gets batted, it becomes a problem, even though people think it's that's the cure for a short quarterback. Get him in shotgun. And if you rush him the right way, it it's becomes problematic. And so, you know, his contract's cheap. They've, they've got to decide what they're going to do with the position. I mean, you can easily say get rid of Baker, but who's replacing him? Right. And, and that- it may take you a year. I, I, I think the biggest mistake, the biggest mistake a lot of teams made last year you know, including the Atlanta Falcons, was the fact that they had a high pick and a quarterback draft and didn't take one. 
because mm-hmm. now you're in the non-quarterback draft, and where are you going to get one? And who's going to play for you? And the Browns and the Raiders, to me, were, are in the same boat. They, they knew they weren't going to extend their quarterbacks to $40 million. They, they also knew that it, the, 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 the time was up. I mean, look, Leatherwood isn't – whatever we think of Leatherwood at the right <laughs> guard for the Raiders, you can argue back and forth, right? But, I mean, it, who's going to replace Carr? Mm. You're not going to sign Carr to $40, 45000000 I mean, I know everybody's excited the Raiders won that game against the Colts. Carr, I mean, he made a couple plays, but he also gave him a chance to, for, the, for the Colts to win. Right. If Wentz wasn't worse – you know, it would have been bad. I mean, and Baker, he's getting all the attention from this game Monday night. But, I mean, Ben, I mean, can you imagine losing a game when the opposing team throws the ball 46 times and they only gain 123 yards? How bad was Ben? I know we were praising him all on the broadcast. I mean, I didn't listen to the broadcast. I mute it. But, I mean, like, we're listening to it like it was like there was a, it was a coronation. Like, this is really bad. You know, and I said it all year. Like, in December, Ben's going to be really bad. And he's really bad. And yet we're all focused on Mayfield. Right. No, I, I, and again, look, I've, I've shot my, my bow and arrows at Baker, and I think justly so. I, you know, we try to call balls and strikes fairly, and that's why I love uh, having these conversations with Michael because I think we can be critical when we deem it's proper to be cr- critical. Uh, but your, your point about Roethlisberger is well taken, and now they go to Baltimore this week after that win over the Browns. They're getting points here. I don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to play or not, but, you know, my proclivity oh, is. How can Lamar play? I mean, right. why would you play Lamar? I don't know. But I mean, but, like, why would you even play him? The season's over. I mean, what do you have, a 2% chance of winning and getting into the playoffs? No, they're out. I mean, I'm, you got nobody in your. Oh, they're officially out. Ravens okay, are so out. So you have no chance of going. Right. So the so, Steelers have that, you know, that slim I mean, chance. Right. So I look at it and I go, I don't know if John Harbaugh is going to play him. I don't, I'm with you. I don't know why you would at this juncture. But after what, and I know the Steelers are catching points here on the road in a game they have an outside shot of, of making the playoffs. But to your point about Ben, I mean, look, at great career. We celebrate the career. Fantastic. You, you do it with the longevity. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But my goodness, w- would you, even if it, it's Huntley, a quarterback for the Ravens, you're getting five and a half, Michael. Would you take the Steelers with Ben and his true swan song in this one? I don't know how you do it. I really don't. You know, Ben usually, I mean, now look, they, they won by one point in Pittsburgh. You know, they, 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 they have been able to, to manufacture. They beat Tennessee with a horrendous performance by their offense. They scored, but Tennessee gave them the game. Right. Tennessee turned the ball over four times. So, you know, I, I mean, it, it just shows you really how bad the Steelers are when a team that has really nothing to play for and is beat up beyond beat up in their secondary, playing safeties at corner and really – and they're a five-and-a-half-point favorite over a team. <laughs> I mean, you know, what's wrong with that pitcher? You know, and Najee Harris, I mean, God love him. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was trying his tail off. I mean, he, you think he's not sore even today? I mean, the pounding he got, you know, and they threw it 46 times. I mean, you know, he was 24 for four. He couldn't even complete short passes. His longest pass of the day. Take a guess. What do you think his longest pass of the day was in the game? I, I'm going to say 15 yards. 13. Oh, boy. So, yeah, they, it was a historical performance of bad. <laughs> it was I mean, not really well. And he was the winning quarterback. And, and I'm with you. Look, we should honor him tremendously. And I said this offseason last year. Look, this is, this is a, one of the great players of our game. It, he was tremendous to watch, and I love him. But oftentimes, you can encapsulate things that go wrong 
in in most areas by the by just two words, too late. Yeah. Too late. The Steelers were too late to recognize that Ben was done. Now, I think that the Steelers in their organization and talking to people there, they knew Ben was done. But the ownership being the really the classy people that the yeah. Rooney family are is they said, look, we're, if he wants to come back, he owes it to come back. I think Tomlin is not getting enough votes for Coach of the Year because he's 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 eight eight and he's what is he eight seven and one and Amazing. With, with this with this well and with Michael this, you with know no how offense no you know how hard this is better than most for him never to have a losing season think about what Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are going through I know Russell's been hurt in Seattle but think about like a dog year they're having in the Pacific Northwest Mike Tomlin's never had one of those ever no matter what the situation no matter who the quarterback if it's if it's Duck if it's if it's you know you name it Mason Rudolph if it's Ben Roth, it doesn't matter he just has at least a 500 record in this league to do that year in and year out. I know there's no lifetime achievement awards for coach of the year, but boy, oh boy, if you can do that this year in this climate with COVID and everything else, Mike Tomlin, I mean, that is really impressive what he's done. I, I think it's remarkable. And and we didn't even t- you know, we, we know TJ Watts having a fabulous season. He's got 21 and a half sacks and he could get the sack record this week, but you know, he's not even very good on defense. People have run the ball on him. You know, Cincinnati ran for 198 yards. The chargers won 59. The lions ran for 229. Mm. The lions were, and they, you know, they won that game in overtime. You know, that game went to overtime and it ended. I mean, and, you know, the bears ran for 130. I mean, it's just remarkable at how he's been able to manufacture eight wins with a really bad team. Here's what I would say to people. Okay. Okay. Here's what I would say. You want to vote for Matt LaFleur for, for coach of the year? Good. Go ahead. Vote for him. What would Tennessee's record be if Matt LaFleur was coaching the Titans? <laughs> That's a great question. And a good. What would Matt LaFleur's <laughs> record be if he was coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, I'm would, just going to ask. It would not and be if a you tell record. me it's – he said. Right, well, then how do you vote? You know, to right. me, that then you can't put – it's like the Hall of Fame. It's so backwards. Yeah. It's like there's no justification to why coaches get in, players get in. It's just random. And this randomness is why these awards – and, of course, what we saw Hub Arkish say yesterday on Twitter oh is also the problem with us as betting public. You know, we're trying to sit there and encapsulate the, the – we're trying to encapsulate who's going to win and make money off the MVP when, in reality, we have grudges that people are carrying on because they don't want them as dinner guests. I mean, it's absurd. We're going to talk more about that, Michael, because I'm right there with you. It's a popularity contest. It's high school, and if you've been slighted in high school, you're not going to vote for that person for class president or whatever it might be, in this case, MVP – but very quickly, back to the coach of the year. I, if I had a vote, which I do not have, it would be Mike Vrabel for me. And again, if they beat Houston on Sunday, they're going to be the number one seed in the AFC. And they've done this without King Henry for the majority of the year and a wide receiver playing quarterback. And Mike Vrabel is the architect of that defense. Am I wrong in that assessment? Oh, my God, not even close. I mean, Rick Goslin does this great job every week on, on the power rankings. Rick, the former Dallas Morning News guy, a close friend of mine. Uh, and, and Rick, you know, Rick said coach of the year is Mike Vrabel. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree with him. I mean, what would, let me ask you this question. You know, what would the Titans record be if Zach Taylor was commanding the sideline of the Titans? My God. What do you think that record's going to be? That's the Titanic. Yeah, I it's mean, come on, yes. like, like seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, we just, oh, Zach Taylor's having, he's coach of the year. That's why the award really doesn't have any merit to it. Because we've got people that are making decisions. Like, do you know how hard it is? to? Let me just put this in perspective. There are only 10 coaches in the history of the NFL that have won 200 games. 
there's been over 500 guys who have named themselves head coach. 2% of the population, 2% of the head coaching population has won over 200 games, and two of those coaches aren't in the Hall of Fame. That's all you need to know about voting process by people. I'm going to play Vrabel this week at plus 350, and I'm probably not going to win because of the popularity contest. But he should LaFleur's win. LaFleur's got it. I mean, Bob, Lamont, Bob Lamont's probably his agent's campaigning. It's it's the Southern primaries. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the Los An- it's the Los Angeles Democratic Convention, and Bobby Kennedy's back there orchestrating delegates. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But this is where we are with voting. It's unbelievable. And I always it's say it's not true, but it's, it's not a- true. It, the winner isn't true. The winner isn't true. It's just the winner. That's it. And that, exactly. We have so much more to get to, Michael. I look forward to these Wednesday shows every single week. Again, we're going to have Steve Mackinnon joining us later on this hour, as well as Lorenzo Alexander, Luke Finicaro. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. It is football season. It's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Back alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi Line here at Visa and I am Dave Ross. And, Michael, again, you mentioned it off the top of the show. When you look at Hub Arkish, who is a voter for MVP, in the National Football League, and he came out and had some, I'd say, um, I would say some flamboyant comments, if you will, that certainly lit up Twitter yesterday. In, in part, this is what he had to say, and I quote, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the MVP. He would be Aaron Rodgers. He would be the minus 400 betting favorite to win MVP. He would be the guy going for back-to-back MVPs in the NFL. So, Michael, while I always say I I want discerning voices and opinions out there, and I think they're healthy for conversation, I don't have to agree with the sentiment that is then uh, put out there by somebody like Hub, who I do respect in his opinion, but it feels like we're letting politics 
in a way, your personal opinions about an individual and not exactly what they've actually done on the field determine your vote. And I think that that would be naive of people not to realize that that does play a part of it, right? What we think should be does not mean that is what the way it will be. So I don't know that other voters are going to go the way of Hub, but again, that's got to factor into the decision. While it looks like a slam dunk at minus 400, when you hear that, does it make you pause a little bit if you're a, a ticket holder of one Aaron Rodgers? I think it does. I, I mean, I think what you're learning here is what fans and betters are learning is the politics within these voting caucuses. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and as I mentioned, it is like the Democratic Convention in 1960 where Lyndon Johnson thought he was going to get the nominee, even though he didn't run in any of the primaries because he thought he controlled all the delegates, right? He thought he had them all in his back pocket. Little did he know Teddy and Bobby were out there ch changing people's minds. Wow. And this is what happens. And this is what happens along the way. And, and you see it more in the Hall of Fame selection than you do in these typical votes, because these sometimes are so obvious you have to give it to them. Right. But when you get a player who is basically polarizing like Rodgers, and you can't separate, you can't separate the, the, the player from the person, because really we're judging the player, not the person. That's not what we're judging, right? I, I, my cousin Vince, who we call Big Daddy, you know, he, when I, we were both 16 years old, we both fell in love with Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't like Springsteen as much today because he doesn't like his politics. Me, I don't, I don't separate. I don't really care. Like, I love Springsteen's music. I don't get involved in, I don't judge him on any of his, I'm listening to his music, right? right? People have a hard time with that. People have a hard time separating that giant divide where they let these things cross over. John Madden, I'll give you a little nugget here. John Madden waited 26 years to get into the Hall of Fame, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, during that time, he had the highest winning percentage of any coach, any coach with over 100 games, uh, winning 100 games. 26 years it took him to get in. And oftentimes, people would ask, people close to Madden would ask, why aren't you getting in? He said, I've got a couple people blocking me Wow. that don't like me. They have a grudge. Now, here's the grudge. He had 12 Hall of Famers. He only went to one, he only went to one Super Bowl. That's the grudge. Now, now we're judging the wins. Now we're judging the wins. He only went to one. 12, he had 12 Hall of Famers. He only went to one. You know, well, he lost the Immaculate Reception. I mean, how many times could that possibly happen, right? right? Think about it. Mm. You know, he, he lost the Immaculate Reception. Dick Vermeil got the miracle in the Meadowlands right. to make the playoffs. In, you know, does that not count? I mean, how, how many of those miracles? You know, what people don't realize about the miracle in the Meadowlands is the rule was you couldn't kneel the ball down then. Right. The quarterback couldn't kneel the ball. So, you know, so on one hand, we're giving it to everybody wants Vermeil in the Hall of Fame, even though he's a 52% winning percentage coach. But yet Madden had to wait 26 years. So what my point and what I'm illustrating is, as you turn this ticket in, what you're seeing here is more of a, a bias, a bias. And it's, it becomes a personal bias. There is no, and I'm going to repeat this, there is no player in the National Football League, perhaps with the exception of Joe Burrow, that deserves the MVP more than Rodgers. It's really just a two-man race. I couldn't agree more with you on this. And, and this is coming from somebody that, you know, whatever, to your point, separating the politics from, from the player. I've been very critical of Aaron, of like, he's just a little bit obtuse. And this is well before this year, Michael. I've been saying this for years. He just feels like a different guy. But the play on the field is undeniable. It's absolutely undeniable. 
And if he doesn't win MVP this I, year, I, I you don't, don't have to like him, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not going to be. You don't have. You're not going to dinner with him. Like you're not having a like. I, you know, it's like it's not that. I mean, I watch his games. I marvel. I don't just watch him. I marvel. Yes. I mean, I've been around. I've watched Joe Montana. I've watched Tom Brady. I've watched some really. I watched Dan Marino. I've watched some really great quarterbacks. I marvel at Rodgers. I marvel at him. His accuracy, his decision-making, what he does before the play starts that no one talks about, that no one, because they don't really know what he's doing, (laughs) his communication, his ability to do it. Meanwhile, we're talking about the technique of the defensive backs. Meanwhile, Rodgers is orchestrating the game within the 25-second clock, right? And so, like, and nobody gives him that. And you're going to hold it against him? Like, separate it. Don't invite him to dinner. Don't go to a broad play play with him. Big Vince, is, I, I love the, 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 the comparison there with the Springsteen analogy. I think it's fantastic. Uh, a couple points I want to get to very quickly. One, I heard that LaFleur and Rodgers himself said, hey, I might play on Sunday. And LaFleur kind of alluded to the fact that maybe they don't want to shut down their offense for three weeks. Michael, I just don't understand that logic at all. For a guy who's, what, 30-whatever he is, post-35, like, does Rodgers need to play? I know the line is at two. Well, like he's if he doesn't, but he, hasn't, play. he doesn't even practice, Dave. He right. doesn't even practice, and he goes out there and throws lasers. Right, right. Like, and I think I, I think the concern the concern has to be the toe, right? Yeah. Like you know, I don't want anybody. How is the toe? Can we heal it up for two weeks? Because he's not going to play for two weeks with the bye, and then we get it going so we can have a good week of practice. To me, I think that's how I would view it. You know, to me, but the betting line is telling us something completely different. You know, I mean, Jared Goff doesn't think he's going to play. We could have a Jordan Love, Tim Boyle Sunday. How special would that be? (laughs) How special would that be? A Tim Boyle and a Jordan Love. I mean, you know, God, I I hope we have two sideline reporters for that game. I mean, we need two sideline reporters for that game because there's going to be much information we need to determine there. I I love when we have two sideline reporters. We get no information, but we have two of them there. I mean, it's incredible. I'm getting more from my couch. (laughs) I'm getting more from my couch than they are at the game. You know, like Miles Garrett has a hit. I know he has a hit ball. No, no worries. But anyway, go back to this. Dave, i got to ask you a question. Okay. This is the hardest week to pick games. It's, it's impossible. It is. And again, I, like maybe LaFleur and, and Rodgers are playing coy. I don't know why they would be playing coy. If Rodgers doesn't win, he wins the MVP. Like the, the only scenario is somehow, I don't know, he doesn't throw turnovers I just can't even imagine a scenario where he loses it but there's no upside to playing at all so you're gonna back the Packers no. playing the two with Jordan Love after what you saw against Kansas City oh but I you got know. Tim Boyle on the other sideline that could be a good play you got Tim <laughs> Boyle over there you know but then the Lions can run the ball I mean they at least can try to run the ball and they might have more motivation how about you gonna put Joe Burrow on the field yeah, I, are you going to put Joe Burrow on the field with guys that, that that you know he's got two or three guys on the offensive line that don't they can't block anyway? They're hoping you count to five Mississippi and Cincinnati. You know, you know he's getting rid of the ball quickly, but I wouldn't put Joe Burrow anywhere near that field on Sunday in in, in Cleveland. No chance Joe Burrow would play. I'm right there with you. And again, it wasn't that long ago. I can't remember which game it was, but Joe Burrow was basically knocked out, but still playing in the game. I mean, this guy's taking shots back there. He took a shot uh, when, when I don't know at what, the end of the game, yes, Brandon Allen. 
Allen had to come in. Brandon Allen yes. had to finish the game. I mean, I don't know what Zach Taylor was doing in the last uh, minute of regulation there with two fourth down plays that he gets bailed out with a couple flags or else it's going to be one of the biggest. And, and there was a false start. Yes. there was. A, I mean, Andy Reid probably got the note at 1030 Monday morning. Sorry. We're sorry we blew the false start. Yeah, sorry, Andy. We're, we, you know, Meanwhile, you know, Andy would have gotten the ball back down three, probably would have won the game by four. No question. I mean, he, Zach Taylor got bailed out in so many different ways in that final minute there. Uh, but, but Michael, yeah, to your point, it's so hard to handicap week number 18 because you just don't know who's going to play. Hey, by the way, breaking news, Mike, and then we can talk about this a little bit later. Mike Zimmer did say that, that Kirk Cousins is going to play. And he, he, for whatever you want to say about Mike Zimmer, I appreciate the fact that he's not going to let the media, Twitter, or anybody else tell him who's going to play quarterback. I, he knows a kill him. We got to talk about this when we come back. Yeah, we we got to talk about this when we come back. Okay, and we're going to have Steve Because Mackin I got opinions on this one. <laughs> I can't wait to hear him. We're going to have Steve Mackin joining us as well when we come back. And Steve's numbers, by the way, I mean, people out there, if you're not reading and, and, and picking up what he's putting down, you're missing out on monetary uh, possibilities that, by the way, I've used to my benefit here in the last couple weeks. We will have Steve join us next with his expert breakdown. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on Decent, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. Get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, The Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, First Strike, and many more. These are all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Dave Ross back alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi Line. Steve Mackinan is going to be joining us here. Of course, does a great job at Point Spread Weekly as one of our editors. His numbers are always great, and they are going to be a little bit in tune with this next conversation, uh, Michael, that I want to start off with you, and that is the fact that Mike Zimmer has said on record that KC8, Kirk Cousins, will be getting the start against the Bears. This, of course, came into question when he was asked about Kellen Mond. And, you know, he's the, 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 he was drafted in the third round last year by the Vikings, of course. Mike Zimmer knows that. And when he was asked about it, he basically said, you know, I'm going to start my quarterback. I've seen enough of the other guys that you want to see play, but I'm starting Kirk Cousins. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bears. What do you make of Zim drawing the line in the sand, Michael, that said, I'm starting my quarterback? Well, I mean, look, every player gets paid one-seventeenth of their salary during the season, and we all know – that Kirk Cousins is significantly overpaid. And to rest him and not play him and to give him a reward for really costing you the game last week because of COVID, not that it was his fault, but he could have gotten the vaccination and the booster. We all know that. It still might have happened anyway. I grant you that. But play him. You're paying him. You might as well play him. Why not, right? Yeah. And then secondly, this is what I think is the huge variance between Twitter and coaches. They watch practice every day. That's right. Mike Zimmer's watched <laughs> Kellen Mond every day. Like, uh, Kyle Shanahan's watched Trey Lance every day. Like, they've watched him. They've seen him. Now, Mond, to me, you know, they got a lot of PR. I never thought Mond was good coming out of college. 
you know, you say, well, they picked him at the top of the third. I wouldn't have picked him at the top of the sixth. I mean, I think he was. I, I thought he was one of those quarterbacks, and this is the very delicate balance you have to do as evaluators. Is you've got to be able to determine is when these all these RPO games is the is the quarterback throwing the ball before the receivers open anticipation hard thing to determine the RPO makes it harder it's like Haskins you watch Haskins at Ohio State he had no anticipation none mm. he had to see the guy open then he threw it same thing with Mon Mon had to really see it. You know, there's degrees of seeing it, right? Mm -hmm. And he had to really see it. It's one of the concerns I have with Justin Fields. What's that degree? Jalen Hurts has the same issue. Now, Hurts is unique in terms of running, and they've changed the offense around him. But I'm with Mike Zimmer. I mean, if I'm paying this dude, play him. Absolutely. Like, look, play him. I mean, my, I'm look, this could be the last game I coach the Vikings. I don't want to go out watching Kellen Moore slap it around. Are you kidding me? I've seen enough of him. And here's the thing I don't think fans understand. Mike Zimmer has to stand in front of his team and say, I'm starting Kellen Moore. And they all know he didn't, he doesn't, he's not any good. They all know it. They're in practice. Because you know why? I'll let you know on the secret. They're at practice, too. Exactly. You got that right. They're at practice, too. They watched it. They know. It's so funny, Michael. I'll, I'll, very quickly, I remember my first training camp ever, Frostburg, covering the Washington football team, and they had Heath Shuler, who was, the I think, the, the third overall pick. Oh, my God. And they had some guy named Gus Freerot that they also took in the seventh round. And I'm watching <laughs> practice and going, this Freerot guy is pretty good. One guy played double digits yeah. in the NFL. One guy was out very, very quickly. Let's one bring guy's in... a senator now from Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, let's exactly. go, Steve. I'm sorry. I, go to, I, I cut in on Steve's time. I'm sorry. Oh, good. Let's bring in Steve Mackin, of course, Point Spread Weekly Editor. Does a great job with his numbers. And, Steve, let's start off there in the NFL very quickly to the point about resting starters because, again, you highlight this this week. Since 2011, underdogs in games where teams rest their starters – are actually a pretty good value play ATS 17 and 6 uh, against that run uh, against the numbers here Steve so sometimes even though the good teams rest their quarterback is the one we always look at Steve sometimes that, that's not a, a reason to to shy away from them uh, in that uh, week 18 scenario uh yeah that's right Dave and, and there's some actual if you want to call it foundation to this is the team that's an underdog it, it, it could be the team that's resting the starters it could be the other team there's a motivational standpoint going on here. Why, why are we an underdog? If, if you're the worst team, say, like, hey, this team's resting all their, their best players and we're still an underdog? What the heck? <laughs> if you're the good team, we're yeah. still a good team. Why are we an underdog to this, this bad team? So there, there's, there is some motivation behind that 17-6 and six, uh, spread run by the underdogs in these games. You know, and this just came out too, Steve, and we talked about it early uh, before you came on, and Ian Rappaport's reporting that uh, Joe Burrow has told his teammates he's not playing on Sunday to rest up for the playoffs. We knew that. Smart move by, the, by Zach Taylor and the Bengals. But I do think, I, you know, when you look at this, I mean, your numbers, your power rankings, what do you do with I, I power rank every week. I, I'm, I'm really perplexed at what to do this week because they're meaningless, aren't they? Well, as my article says in, in this week's Points for Weekly, to, to betters, there's no, quote, meaningless game. <laughs> so what you have to kind of do is get a feel. You, you really have to chase the news wires and maybe even trust the, the odds makers in these situations. You look at that Packer game, two, two and a half points to the, to the Lions. That's about a 10-point adjustment on where, where it should be if these teams were playing uh, with their full decks. So you really have to kind of trust what the odds makers have done. They've they put in the work. 
I had a feeling Burrow wasn't going to play. He talked about it Sunday as if uh, he kind of hinting that he wasn't going to play. I, I adjusted my ratings that are in points per weekly for that game. So, uh, and I will do that for the rest of the games where I find out the news that comes in. But you really have to trust what the odds makers have put forth. All right, gentlemen, let's go to college. Yeah. I was going to say, let's go to college. Go ahead, football. no, Very, go back. You got it. Because, look, I try never to go against Michael, Wes Reynolds, and certainly Steve. I don't want to go against your numbers here, okay? But when I look at what you have this week, when we're looking at the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia, it makes me take a step back. Because the underdogs have lost back-to-back championship games after winning six straight against the spread. SEC teams 11-4 and four straight up in ATS and national title games since 06. SEC underdogs 7-0 and ATS in national title games since 99. So it's hard for me to say if the numbers, and I'm not sure exactly which way they're pointing here, Steve, and that's why I need you to interpret them for me. Nick Saban catching points, Heisman Trophy winner, quarterback. Am I missing something here as to why Georgia's the three-point favorite? Well, Georgia was the better team all season, apparently, until they played each other head-to-head. So I, I, I'm with you on this where I think I'm missing something. Uh, that SEC underdogs being 7-0 and in national title games is sort of a fuel thing. I, I love to talk about the motivation, the motivation of being an underdog. Alabama's going into this game thinking they're the best team in the country, and they're an underdog. They thought they were an under. I forgot who who said it. They thought they were an underdog against Cincinnati. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I mean that's the way they're fueled by Saban, and I, I think if any one of those trends you talk about like stands out to me, it's the fact that SEC underdogs are seven and zero in the national title game. Yeah, I mean that's hard to go against. And the only thing that you know, I was a big Alabama guy the first time they played because I felt like Stetson Bennett couldn't really deliver what he was going to need to do in this game. But here's my issue, Steve. Alabama declared what they're going to do in terms of get the ball out quick, throw the football, not try to run it, spread them out. And and then now as we had Georgia has more time, they know the plan that's coming. The plan's not going to change again. That's got to be the plan against Georgia because you're not going to really be able to block them especially. So that's where I'm leaning back towards Georgia because does Alabama have an adjustment to the adjustment? Uh, yeah, you, you know, I'm not as, I guess, invested in the, the spread in this game at this point as I, as I like the information that's pointed on this total. Uh, the way that some of the trends that I've found here, uh, let's look at betters 0-8-1 slide when moving the total. So far, this game has gone from 53 and a half to 52. Betters are expecting an under. They've lost. They haven't won a national title game total in the last nine nine years. <laughs> so they're they're just off in these games. These uh, national title game over or game or national title games that have had totals of less than 55 or 10 and three over. So there's a lot of things pointing to an over in this game. Uh, Alabama lit the scoreboard up against Georgia the first time. George is going to have to do better offensively this time, probably to compete. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this game maybe in the high 50s, uh, maybe even get to the 60 mark. Okay, Steve, that is music to my ears. I'm so glad you hit that point because it's exactly where I was going next. When you look at the trends to the over in this national title game, especially when the public, or at least the line, hasn't been adjusted to the under. So it feels like that line move, if you're an over player like I'm going to be 
on Monday night. It's going in the right direction. Keep coming down, boys. Keep bringing those points down. <laughs> Bring it down. <laughs> Keep bringing it down. Steve, hey, always appreciate your information. Again, you got to follow him on Twitter, as I do. Thank you, Steve. Steve appreciate you. And great information, of course, on our Point Spread Weekly uh, edition this week. Steve, enjoy the national title game, my friend. We'll catch up with you again next week. Michael, when we come back, speaking of Steve, was talking about sliding numbers. We get some changes in some line movement here in the NFL that we're going to get to when you come back with us right here in the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to enjoy M-Life rewards that can be redeemed for rooms and dining at any MGM resort. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use bonus code VEASAN200 doing $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line. Mike, we have so much more to get to. Obviously, time always seems to run short with us. I do want to get to Dak Prescott, whether or not you believe he should be the comeback player of the year. Because again, this award was decided after the New England game when he threw it to C.D. Lamb and they win the game in overtime. Award is wrapped up and then, oh, hurts his calf in that game. And since then, you can make the argument that Dak Prescott has not been the same level Dak Prescott we saw at the first half of the year. Meanwhile, in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, who, as you mentioned here in the last segment, is not going to play Sunday. So his body of work is done for the year. My goodness, what an end of the year he had, almost throwing for 1,000 yards in two huge wins back-to-back over Baltimore and Kansas City to go ahead and win the AFC North. Right now, Dak is even money to win the award, or excuse me, minus 125. Joe Burrow's even money. Michael, which way would you vote? And the key is votes because this is people, not stats, taking into account what they believe they've seen to be the best comeback player of the year. 
Well, I don't have a vote, obviously. I'm not qualified to have a vote. I don't know enough about football <laughs> to have a vote. However, if I did have a vote, I would vote for Joe Burrow. I, I think Joe Burrow has carried that team. Now, look, Chase is fabulous. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, when you don't cover Chase, you know, go back to the, the Cincinnati game, the, the, the Chief game. They, they, he, he throws it to him in zone. They don't tackle him. Unbelievable play by Chase. He just outruns everybody. The second touchdown, they blow the coverage. I mean, I think they're, they're supposed to carry him in cover two. They never do. The third one, it's a jump ball. He just comes down with it. Mm-hmm. And he makes some incredible plays, and it's unique. But, but Higgins makes plays. So does Tyler Boyd, who's not had a drop all season, and he's been very reliable on third down. But this team, if you remove, if you remove the quarterback, Burrow's talent, his competitiveness, his drive, you're going to lose a big part of this team. So for me, he wins it. I, I appreciate Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's been very good all year. However, I think Burrow's the better player. I think if you had a draft board and you were setting a draft board, you would pick Burrow over him based on this year, based on the season. Nothing wrong with the Cowboys. Look, the Cow- but the Cowboys' defense has done a lot to help them. I'm not sure the Bengals' defense has done as much to help, the, to help them as, as the Cowboys' defense has. Well, Michael, as everybody who knows me knows how objective I am when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and America's team with the star in Sure. Head, right? I, I'm right there with you. I mean, look, I love Dak Prescott. I think he's the perfect fit for the Cowboys going forward. But to say objectively that he's been better coming back from his injury than Joe Burrow was coming back from his devastating injury a year ago in Washington, D.C., I just think is not accurate. And I love Dak, and I, yeah. I, I, I think they're, they're going to be – he's the perfect fit for that football team. But to your point – if you just switch those and you look at the defenses and Dallas' defense is now a strength and the Bengals' defense is now almost a liability, I, I think you nailed it on the head. You know, obviously, yes, Dallas won the, the NFC East. I think you can make the case objectively that the AFC North is a tougher overall division than the NFC East. So I, I think if we're being fair here, that's why I'd vote Mike Vrabel for Coach of the Year uh, with, no, with no partisan attached to it. Same thing here. I would vote for Joe Burrow. I think he is absolutely the comeback player of the year. And at even money, and I know Dak's going to play and Joe Burrow isn't, I I think the voters, if they're being honest with themselves when they look objectively at these two, I don't even know if it's that close. Dak's been great, and I know we wanted to give him that award because it was a great story. Joe Burrow has just as devastating an injury as Dak Prescott did a year ago and has come back and done more, I believe, with less overall as a team than what Dak has done. No slight to Dak whatsoever, but you and I see eye to eye on this one. I think it's even money. It should go to Joe Burrow. I would not lay the 125 right now with Dak Prescott with one game to play. No, and I, and I think you've got to add also in the fact that Burrow is playing behind a really bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. Dak's line is pretty good. Now, I know he's missed Smith some games, and but – the other factor that you have to place into this is Burrow's only in his second year, and he missed a good portion of his rookie season. Right. So where he is right now, the level of play that he's commanding, you know, is so high that I think he deserves some MVP votes. I don't think he's the MVP of the league. I don't. I think that's Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is the best player by far in the league, and I don't think there's anybody – I think there's going to be a huge gap between it. So the reality of it is, is but I think Burrow should finish second. And since he's almost going to be the MVP, he should be the comeback player of the year. I'm right there with you. And, Michael, I wish you knew more football so you could get a vote for these things. Let's not talk I, about I just don't, you know. <laughs> Apparently you just haven't been I'm going to study game. tonight. I'm going to be keep studying. I'm going to keep working. I think, he, I think you'll get there eventually. Let's talk about the Patriots and the Dolphins here a little bit on Sunday down in South Beach. Hey, this has yeah. been a, a house of horrors 
for Bill Belichick historically. I don't know yeah, why no it doubt. is. But unless, you know, Rob Gronkowski, if he's not guarding the goal line there, maybe they'll do better this time around. It opened two and a half, and this line has moved precipitously uh, north to the Patriots here, I believe around six and a half right now at BetMGM. Michael. It was seven, and it came down. It was seven, and now it's ticked down a little bit like to, to six and a half. I think this line's a little bit heavy. Okay. I really do. Yeah, I really do. I, I think th- this is a tough matchup. Now, the last game was decided. I was watching the tape this morning before I came to work. I haven't finished it. But it, that game, the Patriots struggle to tackle in space. If you look at the Buffalo game and you watch the Buffalo game closely, Buffalo's longest pass play that day was 28 yards. Hmm. What Buffalo did was they threw checkdowns. They said, okay, you want to play these big linebackers? Let them tackle in space. Let them tackle our skill in space. And they didn't tackle well that day. And then, of course, they couldn't tackle the quarterback. And he made runs, and he was able to do some things. I think this Dolphin team is a really hard matchup for the Patriots. I really do. I I don't love Tua. You know that. But the weather will be nice. Tua in bad weather is a disaster. (laughs) But Tua in South Florida in, in January is nice, you know, and... But And I think this is going to be a really hard game. I know the Dolphins are going to play their guys. They're going to play all out. I mean, they want to finish the season 9-8 and eight, without a doubt. And I do think New England will play their guys. I don't get the sense. When that line jumped, it opened at 2.5, and, and it jumped to 7 right away. There was in, indication to me that maybe the Patriots weren't going to play all their guys. Mm. And I don't know that to be a fact. I think a lot of this is jockeying. Because to me, would the Patriots rather play the Bengals as the sixth seed? Or would they rather go back to Buffalo and play Buffalo as the fifth seed? Ah, what would you rather do? That's a great question. It, it feels like they match up well. I don't know how they match up with the Bengals. We've seen them against the Bills. I think Belichick believes he's Belichick has a coaching advantage just about everybody in the league. But I feel like he still has a, an advantage over Sean McDermott if we're playing X's and O's. So to me, Michael, I would get the sense if I'm a Patriot backer and I could pick my opponent. I know it seems like a daunting task. Wouldn't you rather go to Orchard Park when you've already done it once this year and threw the ball three times and got to win versus trying to go up and slow down that explosive offense that is the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, I will say this. He will double chase on every single play. So, you know, that, that'll change the tenor of the game. You know, Higgins or someone else is going to have to beat him. So I do think he's probably looking at this as like, what's the – I know Buffalo. I know how they play us. I know what they did. I know the reaction to the reaction. It's a little bit like Georgia-Alabama. You mm-hmm. know, when you, get a, when you play chess against somebody consistently, you get a feel for what they want to do. I think that's the Georgia-Alabama game. I think that would be the Buffalo-New England game. There's going to be adjustments to the adjustments. And the players would be comfortable playing. Look, I think New England likes to play outdoors in any bad weather at, at all. But I do think you started this segment off with exactly the right tenor in the sense that this has not been a good place. I mean, we lost down there in 15 when I was with the Patriots. We lost to them and cost us home field advantage. Yes. We ended up having to go to Denver. If Denver would have come home to us in Foxborough, we would have beaten them. But we had to go out there, and the tide turned against us. We, didn't, we couldn't really run the ball, and we couldn't really make enough plays, and that was an unfortunate loss for us. Yeah, inexplicable things seem to happen, and you're right. I mean, history could be so different <laughs> as if the Patriots organization needed another Super Bowl. That would have been one there that they get that game at home against Denver and Peyton Manning that year. I think you're right. I think that would have gone the way of the Patriots, but that was an inexplicable loss. And again, I don't expect it to happen here. But just weird things seem to happen to the Patriots. And Brian Flores, we talk about this with Sean McDermott, like certain teams know each other. And Brian, certainly coming from the staff of Belichick, they seem to have a good feel 
for what Bill wants to try to do. So that would be a very interesting matchup, and I'm with you. It does feel a little bit too heavy right now on the line move up there to six and a half. Michael, when we come back, let's talk a, a little bit more about some of these line moves that we've seen in the NFL. And one specifically, I can't wait to get your thoughts on, and that's Seattle against Arizona. Are the Cardinals back after that big lead last week down there in Gerald World? Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.